What is up, everyone? Social on the Sidelines, episode number 31. Social on the Sidelines, as always, is brought to you by Front Office Sports, with episodes brought to you by whom, Amara? Team oh, Info Graphics. <laughs> Team Info Graphics. People are listening to this in headphones on their drive home. And you're out here yeah, and it made... <laughs> It made their life a lot better. Um, nope. Yeah, team, in- <laughs> team infographics. They present every episode and they provide fire content for all of your favorite teams across all the different leagues. You should check them out on Twitter at Team Infographs and on the interwebs at teaminfographics.com. Oh. Jesus. All right. <laughs> Now that you're auditioning to be the weekend's, you know, side singer, his opener. Oh, 100%. Or Dame Dalla's opener, actually. Anyway. Let's uh, go. Today, um, we want to start off the episode. Well, first of all, we had Mitch Jacobs from Call of Duty slash Activision. He's their social coordinator. A little bit of a different route uh that we went with our guest today um esports not regular sports but he actually i think had a very very unique um perspective on things that i think is going to be super helpful whether you care about esports whether you're into gaming or not um he brought a very unique perspective to digital and social thoughts um that i think is going to be super worthwhile to listen to so stick around for that but in the meantime um amara wanted to bring up something that i tweeted about somewhat recently which was i think well speaking for myself i am trash at texting despite the majority of my uh position and job being related to mobile and being online and i'm yeah i'm a trash texter like amara texts me outside of podcast days and i don't respond until like six hours later so i'm just curious like why are you mad bro so I checked the receipts and you definitely go days without responding. Like I was having a crisis one day and you just never responded. And then I sent a follow-up and you were like, Oh my bad. I thought I responded. And I was like, no, that was a week ago in my time of need and you weren't there. (laughs) And my other thing, like, how do you not have anxiety? Like, if I have okay, one let, unread text message, I I stress out. I'm what if that person needs me? You know, are they okay? It's just it it stresses me out. Look, look. Okay. Let me make some clarifications cuz my name is being slandered right now and I don't deserve this. First of all, it's my personal phone. My work phone has zero, okay? My personal phone, I you know, I look through Twitter and Instagram as normal people do. And here's the thing. I see the text messages, right? So in your case, you'll text me something. I'll see it. And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this later when, you know, I'm sitting and I'm off Twitter and Instagram or I'm not doing something else. And I'm going to respond to it. then. But more often than not, then somebody else will text me and then somebody else will text me. Not that my my phone's usually dry, right? It's usually like my mom or something or waffles on Fern's phone, right? Right. And and I'll be like, yo, you know, let me get back to this text. And then it's been a day and I'm like, I can't respond now. 
but then they just keep piling up, right? And then so, I don't really care at that point. Because if you see, really, really needed me, you would DM, you would call. What? You wouldn't text. Are you? Te- you're telling me. You're. Telling I'm not me. gonna DM you if I'm having a crisis. <laughs> That's preposterous. Okay, call. I don't like talking to you on the phone. You are rude. I don't okay, like talking listen, on the phone. That's listen, a different story. Listen, perfect example. Tuesday, July 30th at 7.53 p.m. Amara Baptist said, we should do a pod this weekend, right? Saturday, August 3rd at 10.03 a.m. Shabazz Khan. Bruh, I thought you were dodging my text, but I didn't respond. LMAO, my B. That's literally our friendship. Someone, Waffle stole my phone, okay? I tried to respond. She was big mad. I couldn't respond, okay? It was (laughs) the funny thing about that, because I just looked back at the text message. You also texted me before that six days prior, and I didn't respond. I know. I double texted, and I really hate double texting but i did it okay i'm look okay you should feel good though because at least i text you back there's a lot of people i just don't text back and i'm not saying that like to humble brag i honestly just forget and then i feel it's the time has been too long at least your double text said you know it was something that i felt compelled enough to respond to i just don't like texting i don't like being on I don't like talking to people on my phone if it's not on Twitter, Instagram, which makes it it sounds zero weird, sense. That makes zero sense. But anyway, it, you you and Alexis Morgan are the same. Alexis is the worst texter. She actually might be worse than you. She goes like weeks without responding. I do and remember then, when we tried to get her on the podcast. Yeah, I do. Remember. Yeah, and then she'll I'll be like, oh hey, um, happy Fourth of July, blah 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 blah, and then like. <laughs> September 4th. I didn't get no 4th of July text. I, I, this is just an example. <laughs> and then September 4th, she'll be like, oh, yeah, you too. And I'm like, me too what? <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway. Look, you have to say, b- wait, before you're done slandering me in front of our listeners that have, you know, adored our podcast for 31 episodes and have in- endured it for this long, before you slander my name, permanently please clarify that during actual podcast days i'm on my poop emoji while you're texting me right like i respond back very quickly we're coordinating what questions we're gonna ask this is the secret sauce to social on the sidelines amar and i are constantly communicating like hey are you gonna ask this should i ask this should i go here should i say this right Yes, you're correct, especially during today's episode where you guys might has might as well have been speaking Russian because I did not understand one thing that was going on um, gaming speak. So that was really interesting and scary, but I think it was a Are great you okay? episode. Did you survive? Yeah, I'm a little traumatized, but I think I got it. It can't be worse than being in a crisis and waiting a week for a text message so yeah you're right you're right and both involve you so well there's a trend there and (laughs) i I feel bad for pointing it out but it's true i'm trash (laughs) that's what it is all right in other news speaking of anxiety inducing 
things. That is not what this episode will be, because this will be an inspiration-inducing episode, because Mitch yes. Jacobs is on, and we were speaking Latin and Spanish, which Amara did understand. So, without further ado, Call of Duty slash Activision, Mitch Jacobs. What is up, everyone? It is Social on the Sidelines today. Shabazz Khan, Amara Baptist, joined by a very special guest. All of our guests are special, but this one especially because it's not the typical sports route. It's in a little bit of a different way, uh, more esports. Um, and we have Mitch Jacobs from Activision, the social coordinator over at Activision on. So, Mitch, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Of course, man. Thanks for having me. Of course. So the the way that we kick things off um, on social on the sidelines is generally we kind of talk through how you got to where you're at now. So Mitch was formerly at StockX. Um, I know you must have had quite the journey to get to Activision and, and working on some of the biggest entertainment titles in the world, such as Call of Duty, among others. But but tell us how you got to right now, um, some of the past stops you had and, and things you learned uh, along the way. Yeah, it's kind of funny how this all worked out, actually. Um, during my Activision interview, I could kind of start earlier in my career than when I could talking to other people. So obviously, Call of Duty was the only game to play in like 2007 through like 2010. Um, and me and a couple of buddy of mine from school were actually fairly good at it. Um, and that's rare that you get... Um, local people that are pretty good at the game in multiplayer at least um so we played competitive for probably man i want to say three or four years um at the time esports was nowhere near what it is right now like we were playing on the weekends for a couple hundred bucks here and there. And I mean, when you're in middle school and early high school, you're like, wow, this is, this is a lot of money and I'm, I'm getting at playing video games. Um, and then, um, priorities kind of shifted. Um, friends started like thinking, Oh, I have to go to college. I have to get a real job. We can't sit in our room and play video games for, for 12 hours a day. Um, not knowing obviously where that industry would be today. Um, so the team kind of disbanded. We all went our separate ways, and I actually dove right into sneakers. Um, started reselling in my sophomore year of high school, um, and then come junior senior year, I was traveling the the sneaker con circuit, um, setting up a table all the way from Ohio, New York, um, all the shows, which was pretty fun. Um, me and a buddy. Couple of buddies of mine would help me run the tables. Um, so if you've ever been to one of those shows, it's pretty hectic and it's hard to do on your own. But um, traveling, doing all that, I got to meet a lot of really dope sneaker people, um, and that's where a lot of my network stems from. Um, and that's where I met my good buddy and actually now roommate, um, Nick Engvall. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of him or not, but he's kind of yeah, like an yeah. OG sneaker writer. Mm -hmm. um he's been everywhere from nice kicks to complex you name it um and we connected at a sneaker con actually and StockX wasn't even live yet um they had a booth set up at uh cleveland sneaker con i think and they just had like a big tv set up with like a really like dollar store banner put up like it was not 
super professional like you see right now. It was kind of just like, hey, this is a site that we're starting type of thing. Um, and it was interesting. I mean, I was kind of in the mindset of like, yo, I don't want to have a boss. Like, I want to do my own thing. I'm going to sell sneakers for a long time. Like, this is this is going really well for me. Um, and he, he ended up wearing me down. Um, took about six months to a year. Um, and I took an internship at StockX. Um, and at the time, StockX was probably, I want to say, 15 to 20 employees deep. At the time, um, for perspective, it's somewhere north of 500 at this point. Um, so that was a crazy wild experience um, of an internship. Um, ended up turning into a full-time gig. Um, was there, f including my internship and contracting work I did when, once I went back to school. Um, right around two years there. Um and as you can imagine, at a startup like that, you're doing everything in the digital space. So it was me and Nick running everything from social to email, um, SEO blog posts, like writing sneaker descriptions. Um, we were even doing quote unquote photography with our iPhones that we thought were super dope um, <laughs> and is actually horrible. So if you scroll back in the early days of the stock at Instagram, you'll see you'll see all of that, that goodness. Um, so, yeah. Um, StockX started growing um, and we just kind of parted ways, I guess. Um, so have a lot of love for a lot of people over there. So no bad blood. Um, but through sneakers, I actually connected with the senior director of the digital team at Activision, specifically for Call of Duty, who was previously the um, global director of Nike basketball for digital. Oh. Um, don't quote me on that title. Um, I think that's right, but I'm not sure. Um, so we had a mutual friend there. Um, that mutual friend connected us and a month later I moved out to LA for the first time and started, um, at Activision, the Call of Duty team. It's been a wild ride. It's been fun though. That's super dope. Obviously, um, you've had some super exciting news. I'm a huge Call of Duty nerd. That's my day one. <laughs> I used to game battles all the time. So real quick before oh, I get into my yeah, question. You know. Yeah, you said you said you were pretty good at the game. What's the KD yeah. looking like out here? Uh, I have to check. Um <laughs> I usually I usually am in league play, so it's it's right around one point two to one point three. I mean right. if we're going for like some some pub stomping, it's usually north of two point five, somewhere like that. Ooh, okay. All right. Now we're talking. All right. Um, now, as I digress, because a lot of our listeners probably aren't as big of nerds for Call of Duty as me. <laughs> yeah. Um, like your co-host. Yeah, this is like Spanish. Yes. I don't know any what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. You, you can you can live with it for a sec. Let me let me live my life, please. Do you? Um, <laughs> you, you can learn, Amara. We're we're good. Look, Mitch, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you ever want to figure out how to play, just let me know. I'll I'll shoot you over a copy. Oh, let's get if, it. As long as you have a platform, we can we can we can grind out some games. Okay. Look, he's got the plug. Um, so <laughs> as we talk about um Call of Duty specifically, um, before we get into a little bit more of the nitty gritty, this past week or two, you obviously had some big news. Call of Duty is obviously uh, one of the biggest, I think, entertainment entities in the world. Given that. Yeah. What went into the production? Um, so for people that don't know, Call of Duty is releasing its newest game October this year, right? Modern Warfare. 
Yep, October 25th. Um, and this past week, talk us through um, the, the event that went down, um, the reveal event for multiplayer, and what that meant for you from a digital and social standpoint, um, and, and how much planning goes into that because these games are on multi-year cycles. And from a social and digital standpoint, talk about the challenges to and advantages of working at a place uh, you know, like StockX compared to now it's singular games. Uh, like Call of Duty, totally. It's funny that you mentioned the like entertainment size of Call of Duty because people, I don't think people actually realize how big it actually is. Like they know people play COD and they've heard of COD, but like somebody during one of my like intro presentations I got coming on to Activision, they put a slide up on the on the the screen and it had like Marvel, Disney. Um, Star Wars, all of these like franchises that we think of like staples in um, entertainment and Call of Duty actually generates more revenue than all of them. Not combined, obviously, but like right as silos, it's more. Right. Which is just insane. So working on that sort of scale compared to a manic startup that is StockX was like, holy cow, I'm playing, I'm playing in a different league at this point. It's like going from the Drew to the the NBA or something like that. Um, no disrespect to the Drew, obviously, because it's crazy what they do there, and those dudes are out there hooping. But um, yeah, so the event that went down, man, like <laughs> when I tell you that whole thing was like a movie set, it was like a live movie set for almost like 72 hours. Um, basically, the event was two days. Um, we had the event space for three days. Fun fact, the event space actually was used to film the Kendrick DNA video. Um, so that was a okay. cool little nugget. Um, but yeah, so the first day, uh, closed doors, basically content creators, um, press, people that could capture gameplay um, on the kits that we have there, um, but obviously under embargo until the the main event, I guess, went live two days later, which was this massive 36-person streaming event. Um, so we have 36 of the biggest streamers on Twitch and all across the board, uh, Mixer, now that Ninja's over there, um, all streaming for, I think it was three hours, um, all in one place, not from their homes. We flew them all out here, um, and it was pretty pretty intense to see 36 decked out streaming rigs all in one room with cameras flying around like it's on like an and like an nba sideline or nfl sideline stuff like that um as for preparation going into that this was like i want to say like it kicked off a month before the event um we really had to iron out all these things all of these things because of um the logistical problems of having so many live camera angles on one floor um, so we had to run a really lean capture team, which was a struggle. Um, but I think we came out in a pretty good spot. Um, basically, I don't know if you guys had checked out the recap video of the event, but, um, all of that was done with probably two camera rigs, um, in a normal production would probably, probably be much higher than that. Um, it took about a month of going through this deck and just making sure it was perfect. Um, my my kind of pet project i guess was the uh the instagram story that day and the kickoff thread if you will for um 
all of the info people needed to know. So the trailer going live and then all of the like nitty gritty details of what people, I guess, marketing messages you would call about the game, um, getting all those programmed in, ready to go. We actually had a wall of content that was rolling out throughout the day that was probably like 10 by 10 pieces of paper. Um, if you go on my social, you can actually see the wall. It's pretty ridiculous. And we would just kind of cross it off or rip the paper off the wall and throw it on the ground. Um, it was it was super intense. It's a crazy experience to be a part of. And I think we killed it. You guys did for sure. I saw the, the AR thing that you had and a bunch of other stuff. And I was watching yeah, man, that was... my lunch break at work. So um, I thought you killed it. I, I'll let Amara speak to the story that she just heard, but <laughs> thank what? you. Man. What did I, hear? I would just this event, the way that he described it, it sounds dope, right, Amara? Yeah, it sounds amazing. How important is it to make connections in this industry? Because we are all so connected, whether it's video games, sports, music. Um, can you speak a little to making connections? I mean, I mean, it's everything. Like, I. I make the joke all the time of like, I don't know why I went to school. I should have just been told like, here, here's a phone, get a hundred new names in it by the time like next year rolls around. Like, I feel like that would have been so useful for somebody to tell me at the time. And I've been like, you're crazy. I don't want to go meet all these people. I just want to do my own thing. But like people, it's gotten to the point where it's like cliche of like networking is so important, but like you don't understand when you're going to need somebody down the road so like i have this thing i'm sorry if either of one of you are one of these people but there's like this thing where you have to have you can only follow so many people or whatever and like i i just don't understand no. that because <laughs> like you never know when you're gonna need somebody and like that one time you were stingy you're like oh i can't go over a thousand people i'm following i'm not gonna follow this person down the road you never know that might come back to bite you so like it's it's super cool how how all of these worlds intertwine and when you find the people that connect the two worlds, like, and it all comes back to this like overarching, like, I, I hate to use this word, but I don't know what else to use culture of like what people, younger people like these days. And it's music, art, music, or I said music twice, music, art, gaming, sneakers, you name it, sports, like, it's it's all intertwined and everybody wants to be a part of each other's worlds. Um, and that's where the whole collaboration thing is born. So, I mean, networking is everything. Absolutely. Um, one, one question I had for some of the skill sets that you mentioned, I know you talked a little bit about photography in the early days. And now for anyone that doesn't know, check out Mitch's Instagram. <laughs> it is super dope. Uh, some of my favorite photography. Um, there's, bunch of dope content that Mitch puts out. So that being said, obviously it's something that you've picked up and grown a long ways. And on that note, what are other things that you think are essential and integral to growing as a digital professional? I know you're relatively early um, in in your career, but that being said, what are some things that you've learned between your 10 years at StockX and now at Call of Duty and Activision that you think are essential to being a digital and social uh, professional? Yeah, so I appreciate you plugging <laughs> plugging my Instagram like that. It's dope, um, man. It's dope. 
appreciate it. Um, it might be me trying actually, to free call it up duty copy, but if it were, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, it is what it is. I respect it. No, um, <laughs> he's not um, joking. It's actually something I, I picked up fairly fairly recently. I think. Um, man, I don't even think it's been two years since I've been shooting. Um, I had some friends in Detroit that were shooting. And one of my good friends, I'll shout him out here, is Vince um, Sirico. He shoots for Adidas all the time. Um, and Oscar Castillo um, of Modern Notoriety. Those two guys were a big influence in, in me getting started in photography. Um, I mean, I, I always feel like I had a good eye for the strategy side of things. And that's good and all, but you have to understand the creation side of it. Sorry, there's a loud car going across. I don't know if you can hear that or not. But, no, it's all good. Um, you have to understand both sides of it. Like you can't, you can't just be all about um, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. You need to to figure out what it's like in those trenches of of creating the pieces that you need to be rolling out. Um, and I think there's a big disconnect at a lot of places right now between the creators and strategy behind it um so this was kind of my artistic expression i guess if you will um and kind of like filling that um the bucket i guess you would call it um because you can't just do one thing your entire life so this has been a cool way for me to still be creative and um strategic at the same time was there a second part to your question i forget oh i was just saying um are there specific things or outside of photography, you know, what skill sets do you think are essential to digital and social in its current, um, you know, in, in the current way the industry is gone? Yeah. yeah. I mean, doing it well is all about being nimble. I think um, too many places that get too big, it's like turning the Titanic to do anything. Um, and for better or for worse, like there's good things that come with, that scale and and some some challenges that come with it as well but being able to react to events that are happening on the internet like is massive and i think this is something we're actually struggling with at call of duty and i've i've mentioned it a few times at work of like right now it doesn't feel like call of duty is somebody i would want to hang out with if it was a person and like kick it in a room with and like shoot the shit or <laughs> whatever, if you will. Um, so we, we've been working on, a, I think a voice of like balancing strategic marketing messages while, with being current and somebody that you would like want to hang out with or talk to um, at that level. For sure. Makes yeah, a ton of I, sense. I think a follow-up to that, you know, from the basketball side, like we have content every day with whether it's our players or, you know, games or whatever. So how do you, where do you get your inspiration um, for day-to-day -day content for a game that might not have all of those opportunities for content that's right there? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this was like a tiny thing, but I was so proud that I could get it across the line in time because it's like the fastest I'd, I'd ever turned around an asset. But this was when um, Game of Thrones was, final season was airing and obviously that was the only thing people talked about um but i don't know if you either of you are thronies but 
Unconfirmed, <laughs> yes. Yeah, we are. All right. Okay, okay, okay. So you know the scene um, where, why can I not think of his name right now? I'm blanking. Euron yeah. is at like the front of the ship and he's firing this giant ballistic crossbow and downs one of the dragons. Spoilers, um, but if you haven't watched by now, you should be spoiled. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my bad. <laughs> no, um, no, you're fine. <laughs> um, the dragons are fine. They fly up out of the water and everything's great. Um, <laughs> um, but we actually had like an outfit in the game. This is so corny, but like an outfit in the game called Dragon Slayer. Um, and there's boats obviously in the game. So we had the guy wearing the dragon slayer outfit, like holding his arms out, like you're on, like you just slayed the dragon. And yes. then there's like helicopters flying over, like, oh. <laughs> like there's a fleet of dragons that are flying to like attack this boat that just messed up one of their friends. That's dope. I love it. Um, going a little bit further, are there specific brands who, who in the industry and in the industry, I'm saying social in general, or maybe in the gaming industry. But who are people that you think or brands um, that that are killing the digital and social game that you kind of not necessarily em- try to emulate, but draw ideas from outside of obviously like the current events and trending topics and whatnot? Yeah, I feel like the easy answer here is Nike. Um, so I'll use that as a cop out. Like, <laughs> I feel like everything they do is is nearly perfect. And it's so cool how they can market their products without marketing their products, if that makes sense. Like you scroll through their feed. They're not like, go buy this. This is now out. Go look at the website. It's all real life moments of people that just happen to have a Nike swoosh on them somewhere of like something inspirational, something to make you want to go compete, something that is aspirational and Uh, Like, for instance, I think, oh, what was it? I was just scrolling through their Facebook. It might have been a Serena Williams thing where it was just nothing but a Nike ad in the asset, obviously, but copy or anything like that had had no direction towards anything she was wearing, anything like that. So it's, it's really something to try. I don't want to say emulate, but something to get better at, I think, that because if you go through our feed right now, there's a lot of like, this is now live and stuff like that, which is great and it works, but you're not connecting to people on the, on a personal level. And I think, I think that's what Nike does really, really well. You bring up an interesting point and coincidentally, I don't think in 30 episodes we, we've necessarily talked about it. And I think you bring a different perspective on it, but that, but that being said, um, you talked a little bit about voice and, um, you know, integrating brand messages and marketing messages and whatnot. How do you, because, you know, most of the guests that we have on are very much in traditional sports. So there's a new game, you know, you never know what's going to happen to some degree once you release the game. So come October 26th, right? From then until the next reveal in the following May for Call of Duty, how do you keep things fresh or, or what do you, you know, what are the goals for, for mm-hmm. Activision and Call of Duty in, in digital and social, how are you keeping things fresh um, and, and finding that balance between marketing messaging and that voice that you want to create, which I think you've done a good job on, honestly. But um, Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, man. It's a challenge having a yearly release cycle. Like you see Fortnite, who's been killing it mm-hmm. for almost three years at this point. Like it, it helps having one product out into the market 
and being able to refine your message and refine your approach year over year. Um, but at the same time, having a, a yearly release cycle gives you a chance to, to reinvent yourself um, on a yearly basis, which is challenging, but also a really great opportunity um, given how quickly this, um, this industry changes in, in video games. Um, I mean, you look at 10 years ago, like what, what's going on now and what was going on then is, is drastically different. Like there's somebody on the call of duty team that's been there for 15 years. And I'm like, you've seen the birth of Tony Hawk and like the rise of Fortnite all in the same like tenure, which is just <laughs> in, insane to me. Yeah. Um, but our teams are actually organized in a way where we get some time to actually think about approaches to these launches. So we're broken up into a live ops side and a mainline side. Um, so mainline focuses on the next title that's coming up. Um, and then the live operations team focuses on the game that's currently out in the marketplace. So right now our live ops team is working on Black Ops 4 and our mainline team is working on the rollout for Modern Warfare. Um, and then down the road, those two teams will flip-flop um, and the, the cycle continues. Um, so I think it's 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 really well organized in that sense where you don't have people scrambling to do all of this work for two titles at the same time. Um, so I think that's a that's a massive help for us at least. Um, but it's it's cool. Um, like we get to we get to learn a lot about last year what we did wrong, um, and then get to correct correct it like eleven months later for the next game. Got it. That makes sense. Um, I, I think you guys are in a unique place too. And to some degree, you know, on a much smaller scale, a lot of NBA teams, you know, speaking, speaking specifically for Amara and I, you know, we, we deal with it to a lesser degree, but I know for a fact being a Call of Duty fan and it being one, of, again, one of the biggest entertainment entities there is on digital, you're going to always have people that no matter what you do, absolutely hate and are very outspoken with it. <laughs> And on the other end, you're going to have people that stand to no end and put out, you know, uh, video after video and tweet after tweet about how you can do no wrong. How do you find a balance yeah. there to not get too strung up with literally millions and millions of people saying, yeah. you're, you know, this is the worst. And also yeah. on the other end, you know, this is the best because Amara and I speak to to that on the NBA side and how it is a struggle reading all that all the time mm -hmm. and trying to balance what people are saying with how we know things are doing analytically and whatnot. But I'd be very curious from Call of Duty standpoint and your standpoint, how you yeah. incorporate that. Yeah. And I don't want to offend this group by any means when I call them what I call them, because they do a very important job in the community of Call of Duty. But we, we tend to call them sometimes the vocal minority. So if you think about the number of copies that Call of Duty sells at launch or throughout the year, it's, it's millions of tens of millions. Like it's a lot, a lot, a lot of people playing this game and you very, you see a very small subset of people on social media and it's tough for people like us that are on it all day and, and are combing sentiment analyses and, and stuff along those lines. Um, it's, it's tough to read those numbers, honestly, sometimes, especially with this yearly release cycle. It's a challenge we run into of like three months down the road. They're like dead game, dead game, dead game. When's a new one coming out? Um, it's, it's a difficult balance. Um, and 
we have to make very large business decisions. Um, and it's hard to base those off of, of a smaller subset that's very vocal. Um, and I don't think it's something we've figured out yet, to be honest. Um, it's something we'll continue to, to navigate. Um, I know if anybody in the gaming community sees this, they're be like, oh, we're the only people that matter. We're the only people still playing this game. And I, and I hear all of those people. I want them to know right now that I see your YouTube videos. I see your comments and replies to the tweets and stuff like that. Um, and just know we're doing the best we can. And there's a lot of people that are affected by by these decisions. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so what are your goals for the digital team there? Is it, you know, revenue? Is it direct buying from that post? Or what are your, your goals overall? So we have, we do, I wouldn't say we have a set objective for our social channels in terms of like, we need to hit X amount of impressions at the end of the month or something like that, which is really nice that we're not tied down to something like that. Um, I think a lot of us on the team um, are in the same mindset of like, if we are doing cool shit that we are proud of and think is awesome and are proud of putting it into the world, that's where we want to be. And if we're doing our jobs correctly, the metrics will follow that. And if they don't over an extended period of time, we have to reevaluate what's going on. Um, and at that point, then maybe we say, okay, we have to start focusing on metrics a little bit. But right now, cross our fingers, we haven't had that issue. So we're just trying to put out the best, most polished assets and strategies that we can, um, that we're proud of. Um, and we hope the community likes it. Awesome. Um, our our final question of the day is: Any advice you have for aspiring one social and digital professional professionals, and two maybe people that are hoping to get into the gaming industry specifically within digital and social? <laughs> so overall, digital and social advice, and then people specifically trying to get into gaming. Yeah, I think I can answer both of them at once, almost. And it's just like put yourself out there, man. Like whether it's it's an event a networking event a trade show like all of these things sound super old school and they are but they are a necessity to get in front of people like making a connection on social is great and it goes a really long way but there's still something about that face-to-face -face interaction like obviously you need to do some creeping beforehand if it's somebody that you're trying to introduce yourself to and make make conversation and find some sort of common ground to make the interaction memorable, but you need to put yourself out there. Like if you're trying to get into gaming, COD champs, it's in LA this weekend, get there, do your research on LinkedIn, see who you need to talk to, what department you want to be in. Um, follow them on social. Like I don't want to create some stalkers or anything like that, but you need to put yourself out there and be in the places that the people you want to, to work with or, be in an industry with are at. Um, and I think, I think that's the most important thing. That's the thing that's benefited me the most. Um, it's just putting myself out in these, these somewhat vulnerable situations where people way more experienced than I am are in their element and I'm kind of like an outsider, but, um, people respect 
you being able to to talk to talk to them on a personal level and and be interested genuinely in what they do. That's awesome. Um, last last thing, not a question, but more of a statement. Where can people find uh, your dope photos at, and where can they find you on social? Um, so you can see the professional work at Call of Duty at Call of Duty on all all platforms. Company man. Uh, personal stuff um is all mitch underscore jacobs across the board word thank you so much for joining us today i will be nerding out i've actually looked at the nba schedule and training camp schedule and i'm able to play the open beta so i'm gonna play that i'm gonna bring my xbox and ps4 on the road during the road october 25th ps4 add me we'll 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 get some games all right 100 i'm about to um but thank you so much amara thank you for uh now learning and being a part of this call of duty i'm about to get her hooked i'm telling you i'm about to get her hooked dude she's about to be oh, yeah. on the road with the trailblazers yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah i feel like i'd get street uh, cred so let's do it yeah, that's what i'm saying dame dame yeah. and you playing call of duty that's a whole video let's series right there. imagine go. you go go into the locker room and in like just school dame that'd He's be like, awesome yo what is going on right now let's do it i think nobody we need to, tell we need to do that started here no yeah, yeah, nobody tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Mitch, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Of course, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Yep. Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode, the 31st episode of Social on the Sidelines, presented by Front Office Sports, with episodes brought to you by Team Infographics. You can find them on Twitter, whereabout, Amara. I was going to say, are you just going to take my whole spiel? Well, I don't um... want you to see. <laughs> On Twitter at Team Infographs and teaminfographics.com. Thanks for listening, friends. Thank you so much.